Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Binance Podcast. My name is Wee Joe. I'm the Chief Financial Officer for Binance. So, what I want to do with this show is to spend time talking to specialists, entrepreneurs, scholars, influencers, basically leading people from a variety of industries. Hopefully, through these conversations, we can share insights on how blockchain is changing not just these different industries, but also in changing the world. Here's a quick disclaimer. All opinions expressed by our host and our guests on this podcast are merely their own opinions. They do not imply any endorsements or opinions of their companies. You should not take these opinions as specific investment advice, as you will be solely responsible for your own investment. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Binance Podcast. Today, I'm really excited to be joined by、uh, Sandeep Newal, who's the CEO and co-founder of Matic. Matic has actually been a quite interesting company in that we, we Binance, brought them to market in a launchpad,、uh, introducing them to sort of the Binance ecosystem. And since then, they've basically have gone out and continued to deliver and ship、uh, in terms of what they've promised. They、uh, recently launched their mainnet about a month ago. And I'm really excited to have Sandeep on the、uh, on the podcast to talk a little bit about their experience sort of through the Binance Launchpad program, as well as sort of you know their recent developments with the launch of their mainnet.、Um, I think,、um, but more importantly, as one of the pioneer companies、uh, within the blockchain space in India, as Binance have been an active investor and supporter of the Indian blockchain ecosystem. So I'm really excited to bring Sandeep、uh, on the Binance podcast. To basically, you know, to introduce him and the company to listeners on the Binance podcast. Sandeep,、uh, welcome to the Binance podcast. Thanks, Wei, for having me here. Thank、yeah. you, Binance team. Before we get in, can you give give us a little bit background intro in terms of you know how you came to find Matic and then how you ended up in blockchain? As a talented engineer, you basically have an entrepreneur. You've had multiple things that you can possibilities you can work on. But how did you ended up in the blockchain space and then、uh, come upon Matic? Yeah, so.、Uh, Basically, I you know ventured into so I was running a B two B startup、uh, in back in two thousand fifteen two thousand sixteen, and、uh, you know the, ironically at that point also the B, my startup was doing good but it was not scaling the way I had imagined right so then I start started thinking about that there were some things which were which had a lot of manual intervention so I thought that no like I need I wanted to do something in the Uh, like sort of tech space, like the high tech space, rather than something having,、uh, you know, having a lot of human intervention, a lot of people requirements. Other than that, I want to do something in the high tech space, right, which can be scaled accordingly. And then,、uh, you know, I ventured in,、uh, you know, artificial intelligence and machine learning. And then, you know, I was I was exploring multiple technologies. I knew about Bitcoin, you know, back in 2013 when I was doing my management. Uh, related course. I'm a you know computer science engineer, but then I also did、uh, you know management degree. I had heard about Bitcoin at that point. Even some of my friends were talking about about you know Bitcoin mining and things, but I did not pay that much attention at that point. But then in 2016, when I started reading、uh, about about blockchains and Bitcoin, especially the you know the the iconic book、uh, Mastering Bitcoin, and then you know、mm-hmm. three four chapter in you know I had that. Aha moment! Like every one of us,、uh, you know, would have had in our lives, and then once you fall in that rabbit hole, then there is no going back, right? So it's the same situation. So I realized that this is a big technology, and this has a potential to, you know, completely change the world we, the way we see it. 
you know because it's i don't see blockchain as as a technology but it's a fundamental shift in how we as human beings organize amongst ourselves mm-hmm. from there onwards i started doing a lot of things and then uh, you know even ventured back into engineering and then initially i i started because there were lo- not not many people who knew blockchain programming and stuff so i myself uh, went hands on into programming and all that and then from there i started a small consulting company and then you know suddenly in 2017 everything you know boomed into a like we had the big uh, you know kind of uh, excitement around the bitcoin and blockchains around that time so the consulting uh, you know work started doing a lot of great things and then i also got a lot of prominence and visibility in the indian small indian blockchain community at that time so in some of those groups and i used to provide a lot of uh, like technical solutions and my other uh, co-founder jd who's the ceo of matic also jenty mm-hmm. so we also met in in the same group and uh, then you know from there our friendships the friendship started and you know we started working on a lot of research projects and all that and jenty was working on uh, working on in the uh, as a part of the independent plasma research group where he mm-hmm. was one of the implementers of plasma mvp and then you know he was also showing me some of the pocs he had built and you know we we realized that oh this can be uh, this can be actually used uh, for for providing the scalability because we actually wanted to build something related to applications but then we realized that there was a very big gap in the on the infrastructure side so we thought that you know this is this is the this is something that we can do it uh, in a slightly different way the way the 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 larger plasma groups were trying to do so we wanted to have a yep. full blown site chain and all that so from there the journey started yeah and then i think for listeners who don't really understand sort of uh, cuz i know we you know value proposition or the problem that matrix is trying to solve is to basically to make the ethereum transactions basically much more scalable right and much faster and much more secure sort of how did you come up on that problem and you can you talk a little bit about when you guys were originally trying to we see a lot of problems of scalability and speed on the ethereum network you know there's been a lot of builders that have been trying to attack that right that and solve that issue but uh, what was um, sort of unique about the approach that you guys took from matic so as i said that you know this was again back in 2000 end of 2017 and i you know initially even jenty was looking to build something related to end user application right initially and then very initially like you know and we realized that the infrastructure is just not ready you know crypto kitties had come and then you know it choked the entire ethereum network for weeks right and the the, the transaction fees went up to like $5 $6 and things like that even now with defi that we are seeing the same thing right so the first fundamental uh, you know this thing uh, fundamental insight that we thought always is that for any layer one solution for it to be decentralized secure it will be slow right so we we all know the scalability trilemma uh, that we have like you know apart uh, out of decentralization security and scalability you can choose only two right so so we realized that the, the for the for layer one there will always be a problem in terms of the scalability and also you might have noticed that the similar approach bitcoin uh, developers have taken it right so they say that the, we are not going to touch the bitcoin base layer and uh, you know they want to achieve the scalability on the lightning network and things like that right so so the basically the, the insight there is that uh, the layer one needs to be very secure and decentralized because everyone has to trust it so it needs to act as a settlement network 
rather than the you know full business activity network itself and so the insight from there is that layer 1 will be will remain like that and layer 2 is will be the area where you will have the business activity now we were a part of the plasma research group uh, you know as as i was saying that jenty was the first guy who built the poc for plasma and vp and uh, from that sense we realized that one problem that plasma was trying to solve was to provide these uh, fast transactions but the other problem was that it was still focusing only uh, you know the transactions and what we thought was that in order to have you know large or or amount or kind of true scalability we will need the layer 2 which will which supports evm which supports a full blown smart contract and that was the mm-hmm. original this thing which, which separated uh, us from the core plasma you know kind of objectives that we wanted to have a side chain which supports mm-hmm. not only payment transactions but also smart contract right and th- mm-hmm. that is what we set out for and you know we launched our mainnet uh, recently you know that that's one side of the things where where we want to support the smart contract that thing the other problem is that even now if you see on the bitcoin side uh, on the ethereum side although defi is booming and in defi you need like mostly people have large transactions like you know you are doing a 100 dollar minimum 100 dollar to maybe a 1000 dollars or even 10000 dollars defi related interaction right where you are you know putting some money into a cdp on makerdao or you are putting yeah. out a loan on compound or whatever right so there you don't really care about you know paying 1 dollar for transaction fees if you are spending like 1000 dollars 1 dollar transaction fees is fair enough but mm-hmm. when you are using a dapp where you are playing a game where you have hundreds and hundreds of these items let's say nfts right nft assets like let's say 1 dollar nft asset you won't be able to pay even 10 cents in fees if that's for the nfts of that small size so we uh-huh. wanted to enable smart contracts which which not only has the payments but these dapp and gaming and all the anything other anything specific uh, related to the application side also so to provide the blockchain scalability to that and from there uh, you know that that has been our objective and then you know we've been going very good on that and we have seen a lot of uh, you know kind of interest from the dapp space and the gaming space in gaming we are already very very big uh, you know i think uh, almost all the top games currently uh you know are are either exploring or most of them have declared that they'll be moving to matic network even the big projects like decentraland and somnium space and the sandbox they they have like you know publicly showed their interest and many of them have already completed their integrations also even on the normal dapp side you can have decentralized applications on that front also we are seeing a lot of uh, interest in terms of the third party adoption right so mm-hmm. so that has been a good journey in in that sense yeah Yeah, I mean, I, I think just sort of the uh, what's been really um, amazing, I think, on our end, um, at least for me, is basically witnessing the two aspects. I think what I first came across sort of Matic um, during the Binance launchpad uh, last year, right? And sort of over the last 12 to 18 months, uh, you guys basically have continued to sort of, you know, both build, uh, drive adoption, and then also to a certain extent, you know, what I call sort of very active in terms of communicating with your community. and then sort of also building up that community and you know, leveraging that in, in terms of pushing for the adoption. I don't want to sort of like, like a lot has changed, but can you talk a little bit about how you guys came? What was the the launchpad experience like? I know that was a long time ago now. And then how have that really sort of helped you guys at least to sort of, you know, to get to where you are today? Basically, we uh, started uh, approaching the launchpad team back in August 2018. 
and i think for us because we are coming from india and there were not many big projects known from india it was very it was not a you know easy sell because even to the binance team that because you know before around that time there were some indian projects which you know got some attention but then you know they turned out to be almost like uh, you know scam projects one or two projects mm-hmm. were there and due to that it because there were very few projects and only two three came out at that point in time and you know they did some uh, you know some of these scammy kind of activities so what happened is that it i think it got a bad name for the indian ecosystem at that point in time because that that was still 2018 like mid of 2018 and 2000 end of 2017 was the whole frenzy around the icos and all that so initially we start we approached the finance team and we had a very very long due diligence process where you know we were constantly putting out whatever like we 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 have been a very uh, you know prolific contributor contributors to ethereum so we you know always we communicated all of those things to binance team and all that and we even some of the binance team we met in the ethereum hackathons and they saw what we are doing we actually showed them the projects so they they built up the confidence slowly and steadily that okay this is a solid team and we we can back it and this and we got finalized for uh, binance launchpad in february so that was around 7 to 8 months of grinding you know due diligence on our side but then mm-hmm. that was that was very good because you know the questions binance team kind of asked from us uh, those were like really very solid questions and that forced you to think through the entire uh, you know journey and the path that you are that you are going to do right so that was a very there was good part of that due diligence process and then in you know just before that we had also like just around that time in september october we were also able to convince coinbase we were doing and, and some of the things that coinbase is uh, you know uh, internal teams were doing they were also interacting or using some of our products like dagger which is a event notification tool for ethereum application ethereum smart contract so you know due to that we built up slowly the confidence and then i think then uh, you know we got selected for binance launchpad and from there we have been like uh, the top performing io on binance launchpad and in terms of our performance both in terms of the even the the markets as well as the biggest part is the volumes kind of things so we have been mm-hmm. constantly one of the top volume projects and i was even you know somebody was uh, giving me a, a figure like somebody external that uh, for the binance launchpad project still now we have had, we have had around 10 projects right and then the volume mm-hmm. of matic is 40 to 50% of all the you know projects combined right so mm-hmm. launchpad projects combined right so so that's a very huge advantage and that that actually includes the launch day volumes if you consider the the normal day volumes once the project has launched and then after that stabilize so we have been like really doing really good and then i think the one of the biggest parts that uh, that helped us in that uh, in maintaining a very good community first approach so we were we have always been very very transparent we i think i think we are the only teams only team which has a proper spreadsheet public spreadsheet where if any token moves even like a single token moves from our smart contract to uh, like the foundation contract to anywhere else uh, you know we actually mention why it is moving and then if there is any large to- token movements uh, let's say for some for listing somewhere or something like that we you know inform that also upfront to our our community that okay this is going to happen we are going to move xyz number of tokens please don't be surprised and this is the purpose for this <laughs> so i think due to that a large number of community has built the confidence around uh, matic because they know that the team is not not trying to which is a very very common case to be honest in this space the team is not trying trying to front run them or anything and we like i myself am 
you know personally present on our telegram groups com- you know uh, the community members can tag me for any questions that they have and then i uh, respond directly to them and i personally know at least like you know maybe even around 200 people who ping me or you know on and off that okay i was you know this is this you are doing good or you're not doing good in something all that we take the community feedback so that has been very helpful for us you know now that we have launched our mainnet the real uh, you know growth or the real journey starts now because mm-hmm. you know now that we are on mainnet and luckily today is our staking so today is our staking going live for public so mm-hmm. and this is the perfect day for this podcast also See, that actually takes me to the next uh, sort of next two questions is how yeah. then can you explain then basically like you know the token obviously is matic how does mm-hmm. the token work within the network can you mm-hmm. walk us through that and then also sort of maybe use that as a pivot into sort of how the staking on the network yeah so matic network is a full blown proof of stake network right and the, on the side chain in order to participate in the side chain that means whether you are a validator or whether you are a user so the 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 way to participate is matic token like if you are a validator like because you are you are validating what is happening in the network you have to put a stake and since we are a layer 2 all of this state stake goes on the ethereum mainnet right so on ethereum mainnet you have to put a stake and then you can become a validator on matic network once you become a validator you pa- start participating the into the validation of the network you you know do a consensus amongst your other validators and then you put a checkpoint on ethereum on which you know the validators earn the rewards because they are if you are a user or a developer and you want to deploy smart contracts and everything you don't need to stake but then you have to pay the gas fees just like you have to pay on ethereum uh, you have to pay the gas fees in ethereum token on the matic network layer 2 side chain you have to pay the gas fees in in matic tokens so the, these are the two primary use cases of matic and the staking use case that i am uh, you know i am saying so there can be you know 100 100 plus validators on the matic uh, you know layer 2 and eventually yep. going into maybe thousands of validators so you can you know initiate a validator node and then you can also ask people to delegate to you because not everyone can be a validator in the network so if you are a normal let's say token holder what you can do is you can delegate to any of the validators so we have a staking ui where you can see who all are the validators and you can delegate to them now mm-hmm. once you delegate to them the validator because they are running the full infrastructure and all that they might charge you a small commission fees on the rewards you get right and then that commission fees is basically their incentive and then they have their own tokens also staked so they make money on you know their own stake tokens plus the commission on the delegated tokens and what you do is that the large part of the stake of the stake actually goes into the network right so it mm-hmm. it gets staked in the, into the network and uh, due to that like and these tokens which are staked into the network let's say if you are a validator and then your validator node falters let's say there is a long time it is not signing Uh, the consensus transactions or it actually has some malicious malicious behavior let's say double signs so there is a slashing part also like which happens on ethereum so the ethereum smart contracts which are in connected to matic uh, layer 2 sidechain so they will be able to detect that if somebody is doing uh, like the consensus mechanism is designed in a way that it it is able to detect that if some uh, validator is having a malicious behavior and if there is a malicious behavior there is a slashing that happens like your your tokens are slashed basically on ethereum mainnet if there is a malicious behavior right or fraudulent behavior for that matter so that stake actually contributes to the overall security of the network and then a large part of the stake uh, basically the token supply gets staked into the network which is securing the network basically uh, essentially securing the network and then the the stakers actually get the rewards 
for participating in the network consensus. Mm -hmm. They also get to have the transaction fees uh, once the you know that there are more and more transactions. So that's the basic idea around it. That's really cool. What has the reception of the market and then a sort of the community has been over the last few months with the release of your network? Yeah, actually we have been in beta mainnet for quite some time and then uh, the reception as I was already mentioning in terms of third party adoption, we are also yep. see we are already seeing a huge amount of interest. We have more than 50, 60, you know, dApps currently building and deployed on either of our beta mainnet or our test nets. There are more than like, uh, you know, 50, 60 or even 100 in that sense who are exploring currently actively deploying, testing and things like that. So, you know, applications, um, once the, the, the mainnet is live and today the staking is going live and there were some other preparatory things because it's a phase-wise, uh, you know, launch. So mm. I think uh, early next month, the deployments are going to start on Matic Network. Once the deployments start, you know, then you will start seeing a lot of uh, transactions on the Matic side chains. So in terms of adoption, we are seeing a very good uh, kind of response on the market. In terms of staking also, it's very, you know, it's one of the most anticipated events, uh, you know, in our community and in overall crypto community. Like if you go to Twitter in general, you will see a huge number of people uh, talking about Matic Network. They are uh, Matic Network staking, and they are interested in staking the staking in the network. Overall, the reception has been very overwhelming, I would say. And then once the staking starts today, the ground reality will start showing, right? So you know we'll get to know in the next maybe two to three weeks how many of those tokens actually get staked in the network, right? So that's mm -hmm. an idea we are targeting. Like in few weeks, uh, you know, in the three to four weeks, we target we are targeting. Uh, let's say 30% of the network, 20 to 30% of the network gets staked. And eventually over the next six months, we hope that the network will have like 50 plus percent staking into the network. Thank you very much for your time and sort of talking about it. What comes sort of the last bit of the show is basically, as you know, finance has been really active in India. Um, we basically mm -hmm. acquired the leading exchange in India, Wazirx, and I understand Matic um, with you guys, you know, are one of the few sort of real well-known and well-recognized sort of, you know, global companies within the global blockchain and crypto space um, to have sort of really come out of India. In combination with the, the Supreme Court decision to overturn the RBI ban on banks dealing with cryptocurrencies, at least on my end, we've seen a lot of enthusiasm coming from sort of the Indian community. Can you talk a little bit about um, what you guys are seeing on the ground in India, in particular on the excitement? Because I'm sure other entrepreneurs um, have come to you guys for to learn and to study. Yeah, we can divide it into actually two main categories. So one category mm -hmm. is the uh, you know the the developers category, right? So developers and entrepreneurs, and the other category is the let's say crypto trading uh, kind of community. So mm -hmm. I think before before this ban came in, in back in 2018. At that point, Indian, you know, trading community had already grown very big, and then you know, the the volumes Indians India markets had started growing into the top, uh, you know, top five six countries by volume. So you know, trading community is already already fairly big, but then this ban actually removed a lot of you know reduced that community to a large extent extent. But then Indian exchanges did very innovative uh, kind of stuff like, you know, P2P, on-ramp uh, kind of uh, networks and all that. This was, that was very innovative from Indian entrepreneurs. And then, you know, the, the community kind of survived. The volumes became very, very low because those, you know, kind of networks were still uh, slow. Supreme Court decision actually, so India is largely a very uh, democratic country. So in that sense, the ban imposed by RBI was challenged by multiple citizen bodies. And then Supreme Court said that, you know, there is no basis for that. 
so this kind of circular so this this was a very simple circular from rbi because rbi is kind of the federal bank of india and all the banks are affiliated to them so what they had then was this was not a law anyway right this was bitcoin was uh, like uh, bitcoin or crypto was never illegal before that also only our, what rbi did was that they just issued a circular to all the banks affiliated to them that hey please don't support crypto exchange related accounts and then that was it the moment that happened all that uh, you know the on ramp like the on ramp of the inr to crypto went for a toss right so that's what we they, they try to do in terms of getting more time and india has also very large retail community and i think they were not also wrong the government is also not wrong in that sense because you know you have to protect the retail from you know many of these scam schemes and we see it all over the world you know that was a good step at that point but you know now uh, supreme court has revoked that kind of circular also i still feel that government will come up with more regulations around the cryptocurrencies and all that so that retail population is basically protected from some of these scams but and that would be good for the community overall but right mm-hmm. now there is a huge activity in the uh, you know the crypto community uh, kind of this thing but on the developer side of things and which are where we are more focused we do a lot of hackathons and mm-hmm. last year we did around 50 to 60 hackathons or uh, in many 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 technology schools in india and everything so developer community has always been pretty big so you all everybody knows that india has a large uh, you know software developer population i think it's more than the you know population of many countries the number of software developers we have we definitely have a lot of software developers uh, over there and then even if a very small percentage of them gets interested into blockchain globally it's still one of the biggest it becomes very like one of the biggest uh, community so we have a lot of developers over here you know but they are not at that scale where you know most of the most of them are creating protocols or things like that but then they are contributing to various different projects like some of them are working as freelancers some of them you know you might see them in the bounty like you know winning a lot of bounties on these uh, you know public platforms like gitcoin and things like that so a developer community has already been but what this you know flip flop in the policy like you know this supreme court order and this this and that what it does is that it has actually kind of created a environment like has created an environment in the past uh, and even now that is that entrepreneurs like the developers are there they have a lot of friction or resistance when they want to launch their own ventures that's what what mm-hmm. we feel that you know they can't launch crypto native ventures right as of now mm-hmm. we don't see it too many uh, developers doing that people are trying to do yep. people are trying to use blockchain but they still can't do full blown crypto kind of things that's a lot of detriment otherwise they have to set up companies like outside of india which is costly and then you know they need to get funding and the other problem with this flip flop from the government is that indian vcs specifically have not joined the you know ecosystem by and large right so what happens is that the developers and the entrepreneurs don't have that kind of funding so that's why they look outside for the funding things and the community is pretty large and it's growing at a very very fast rate i'm pretty sure we are already i think there in in some survey 6 months back uh, we were already number 2 community in terms of overall blockchain developers uh, across the mm-hmm. world after the us and i think uh, you know we would already be you know closing in on that gap very uh, you know by now in the last 6 months we would have closed that gap even more what i feel is that if the government comes up with a more uh, you know clear regulatory stance and then vcs are also allowed to invest and all that you we will see a large boom in indian kind of developer and entrepreneur community in crypto as of now it's growing well but not too many 
entrepreneurial uh, you know ventures are coming out of india yeah That i think one. i visited i think uh, india last year for about a couple of weeks and then my sort of feedback and color that i got from underground is that there is still a significant need for capital because the, the access to capital is still highly highly um, lacking with this hmm. especially of entrepreneurs and, and founders that actually have the talent and actually okay. have the ideas we can debate the ideas but a lot of them definitely have high tier have global level type of capital with sort of access to capital being a huge barrier for these entrepreneurs to kick start you know but one of the interesting thing is the amount of capital that's needed to get things started is actually much lower too so i just feel like it's a much the market as a whole large number of shots on goal but i do think that i think it's really awesome that you guys are setting the the tone and then sort of the pacemaker what is it the lead car leading the community in india leading developers mm. and showing them that what is possible once you sort of move into this sort of blockchain and crypto mindset so uh, that's yeah, something yeah. that i'm really 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 happy about yeah. okay cool i really thank sandeep for uh, spending the time with us today i really appreciate him yeah. thanks way and binance team for having me here thank you for listening i hope you enjoyed this interview as as much as i did If you like this show, please share this episode on Twitter, Facebook, Telegram, WeChat, or any other social media platforms. Please don't forget to subscribe to the Binance podcast and see you next time.